Father, we thank you that you have given us not only yourself, you've given us Jesus, you've given us your spirit, you've given us one another, and that's really good and important. So thank you for that gift. We pray right now for our sister Judy, um, who is really needing your healing, physical healing. And so we, we leave her in your hands. We pray for others as well who have been nursing sickness and uh, our brothers and sisters who are traveling as well. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So I'd like you to imagine a scene in your mind of two men who are walking along a path. They're at a beautiful, beautiful location. You can imagine wherever in your mind, maybe it's like whatever your favorite scene is. Maybe it's along the ocean, you know, the main coast. It's hard to beat the main coast, isn't it? Amen? Uh, maybe it's a nice mountain scene in the Alps of Switzerland. Amen? Maybe, whatever it is, they're walking along, they're enjoying fellowship with one another, there's give and take, and you notice that one of them is considerably taller than the other one, and you suddenly notice, you realize that this is actually Adam walking with God. You know, wouldn't it be amazing to walk and talk with God? Wouldn't that be so, Adam's the shorter one, wouldn't it be amazing to walk, obviously, height is in God's corner, right? God can't be short, right, Jim? But man, wouldn't it be amazing? <laughs> wouldn't it be amazing to walk and to talk with God? You know, Moses did that as well. But uh, and Abraham was called the friend of God. Really cool titles. But Adam and God are talking and they're fellowshipping and they're conversing. And all of a sudden, they're looking out on all the beautiful creation. They see animals, they see trees, they see it all. And all of a sudden, God stops in his tracks, and he looks at Adam, and he says to him, something's not good. Something's missing. And Adam says, well, what do you mean? He's like, I know what you're experiencing right now. He says, what is it? He says, you are experiencing loneliness. And Adam says, oh, is that what I feel in my heart? It actually, it would be quite surprising to encounter that, that, that scene, wouldn't it? I mean, here is Adam with God. God, you know, if you're familiar with God, perhaps. With God, the, the, the sovereign ruler of the universe, according to the Bible, Adam is walking with God, and yet something is amiss. One would think that God would, all, would be all that Adam needed, right? I mean, again, this is the sovereign ruler of the universe. He could, he, everything is, that we could ever need would be found in God, and yet God pauses and he says, Something's not good. You have need of something else. 
You know, it's interesting because as you read the story of the Bible, as you go back way to the beginning, according to the biblical narrative, according to the story the Bible paints, there's something interesting that takes place in the story of creation, of how the universe and how the world was brought into, into being. And there's a refrain that is repeated over and over and over again in the biblical narrative. In fact, you see it all throughout the first chapter of Genesis. It records that God would create something. It said he would speak it into existence, and it was so. And then six times it makes this statement. And we're gonna, we're gonna, uh, you're gonna, you're gonna pick up on it really quickly. It says, starting in Genesis chapter 1, verse 10, and God saw that it was what? It was good. God saw that it was good. And so he would go about, this actually first takes place at the end of the second day of creation. And then we read just two verses later after God brings more into existence. He creates more. Again, we read these words, Genesis 1, verse 12. And God saw that it was good. And then, you guessed it, a few verses later, after God brings more stuff into existence, in Genesis 1, verse 18, and God saw that it was good, right? This is a pattern. God creates and he looks at things and he says, ah, this is good work. This is good work that I've done. He goes on, verse 21 of Genesis 1, and God saw that it was good. God saw that it was good, that's right. Then we go to verse 25, and God saw that it was good, and then, for good measure, God stands back, and at the very end of the whole creative process, not only was it good, but check out what he says. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. It was very good. It was excellent. And just for good measure, that word indeed is thrown in there. Like, yeah, yeah, okay, you can trust this. You can understand this. You can believe it. It was very, very good. You know, I am so grateful that God has placed within our hearts, I believe, God has placed within our hearts this longing for that goodness. You know, if we were to go to the very end of the Bible, bookending these two, this whole story, we would see that what really is taking place in the biblical narrative, in the biblical story, is that God is trying to restore Eden. He's trying to bring us back to that beautiful existence where everything is good again. You know, the word Eden, it's very fascinating. Does anyone know what the word Eden actually means? You've never thought about this, perhaps. The word Eden, you know, the Garden of Eden, it is actually the Garden of Pleasure. The word Eden means pleasure. Now, some of us that may not land very well in our ears because we, we have certain associations with pleasure. And we think, oh, we need, to, we need to deny pleasure, right? But what God is actually wanting for us to experience is pleasure in all of its beauty and power, all of its, its joy and innocence. God wants us to experience great pleasure in life. 
And so what I believe he's doing is that he's trying to restore true and ultimate pleasure in our lives and in our hearts. He is trying to help us recover it because as we know that pretty soon thereafter, things turned out to be pretty bad after God started this whole story into motion. But as you probably, if you've familiar at all with the story, as you've picked up and maybe detected and you anticipated where we're going, God, in the middle of this creative process, he looks around and he sees that everything is good. It's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's very good. But if we move to chapter 2, there's something that he interjects here. Because what does he say to Adam? In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, And the Lord God said, It is, what? Not good. It is not good that man should be alone. So in this whole creative process, everything was good, was good, was good, was good, and then there's something that was not good. And what was that? It was humankind, it was a human being being alone without another human being. And so God says, I will make him a helper comparable to him. This is not a wedding homily that I'm presenting to you this morning. But what God actually works into the creation experience and the creation narrative is he indicates that at our core, at our very center of our being, is we are relational creatures. We are people who have been designed, and science has actually started to understand this more and more, that we are actually designed with the need to have relational connection that goes beyond just a connection to the divine. Notice these words from Brene Brown. I've quoted these before, but Brene Brown, some of you may be familiar, she is a a very popular uh, social scientist. She's a social worker. She has a PhD in social work. She's very, very popular. If you go on TED Talk, she has the, like the third most watched TED Talk in the history of TED Talks. Like 20 million people have watched this video, video called The Power of Vulnerability. I would encourage you to go to watch it. But she's a prolific writer, and she says this. We are psychologically, emotionally, cognitively, and spiritually hardwired for what? Connection. This is the way we've been designed. This is the way we operate. This is a necessary requirement for us as human beings. We need connection. She goes on to say, we, we are hardwired for connection, love, and belonging. She says, connection is why we are here. So check this out. Again, the point we're trying to drive this morning as we start this new teaching series is that God has designed and created us with the fundamental need to need something just beside himself. In fact, we understand this in all spheres of life. And so I'm going to propose to you this morning this big idea. Okay, this is the big idea. If you go home and don't remember anything else, this is what I want you to remember. That's what, you know, you have to clarify. This is what it is. God created human beings with needs that can only be met by other embodied human beings and not simply by himself. You may think to yourself, well, hold on here just a minute. 
All we could ever need, God has for us. We find, we sang that song just a minute ago, Lord, I need you. Now, do we need God? Absolutely. But do we also need other things? It's not as though I say to myself, you know, all I need is God, so I'm never going to eat food again. That would sound pretty silly, wouldn't it? You know, all I need is God, and so all I'm going to do is just read the Bible, and I'm going to live as a hermit by myself in the middle of nowhere. That's all I need. The creation account, the narrative, actually tells us that God created us with the need for other things beside himself. We need food, we need water, we need shelter, we need, at the very core of our being, we need other human beings. That's what it means to be embodied creatures. That's what the incarnation, that's a term, it's a big theological term, but it literally means the enfleshment. The enfleshment means to be in the flesh, means that we need fundamentally other fleshed people. We need that connection. We need that, that all that other humans can bring for us. Now, we, we sometimes maybe get tempted that we just want to go it alone on our own. We just want to, we, we can just do it ourselves. And, you know, there's a whole, this is kind of what we're going to be talking about as we go forward. There's a whole host of reasons as to why we disconnect from other people. You know, we were born actually with in a, in a state of vulnerability that actually required other human beings to take care of us, right? Isn't it interesting that God designed this whole thing to happen that way? That as we were brought into the world, as we come out of our, our mother's womb, and as, as we go through life, we actually, we, we basically can't do anything on our own the first few years of life, right? And so we... From the very beginning, we understand that we need other human beings in order to survive. Now, what happens is, as we get older, we oftentimes come to a, an experience where we recognize that, you know, all, all this is often subconscious, but we, we start to recognize that we actually can't rely on other people to provide for us. And sometimes our wants and needs are ignored and or shamed. And so what we do is we learn to try to cope on our own and we start disconnecting from other people. And we say, okay, if people are not going to listen to my needs, going to listen to my wants, then I'm going to have to do it myself. And what... What has happened is, at the most fundamental level, God created us so that we would rely on each other, so that we would have our needs met in each other in addition to himself. But since we have become so damaged from not being able to rely on other people, we turn inward. And then some of us, if we're you know super spiritual, will point, we'll, we'll, we'll turn to God and we'll say, okay, God can do everything for me, Right? But what the incarnation teaches us is that we need that connection with other human beings. One of the, I was listening to a podcast recently, and this is where uh, the podcast kind of like crystallized in my mind um, this whole idea. I had been stewing in my brain for a while, but he put it in such eloquent words, 
And he actually wrote an article that had that title, You Need More Than God. And uh, he put these words in a little article he wrote, and I like the way he put it. He says, no matter how much God we get, he's just not enough. That, that, that almost sounds crazy, doesn't it? It almost sounds like sacrilegious. Like, wait a minute, God is not enough? But he's everything. He says he's not enough. We need, who do we need? We need people. That's what we need. We need human community. And somehow, this is how God wired us. Now, check this out. I love this idea. He says, it is the humility of God to allow us to need something or someone other than himself. Isn't that an interesting way of putting it? God could have created us in such a way that all we literally needed was only found in him. But he, in his humility, didn't have an ego trip, didn't say, okay, you know, I'm going to have to require them to come to me to get everything. In his humility, he created us so that, so that many of our needs can be found in other people and other things. It goes on to say, God could have created us to need only him, but instead he created us to need so much else. He goes on to write, we need food and air and water. We need sleep and shelter and meaningful work. And maybe most of all, we need each other. We need love and touch and laughter. We need to belong and to be held. This may sound a little creepy to some of us men, right? Oh, held, being held. I don't need that. But actually... As a human being, you literally need physical touch from other human beings. That's the way God, if if you literally lived your whole life without being touched by another human being, you would reach an early demise. There was an experiment done many years ago by a, I don't want to say a German emperor. Sorry, Sandra. Uh, But he did an experiment where he just took babies and he put them in a room by themselves and he, had, he, he required that there be no interaction with them whatsoever. No physical touch, no talking. They just had their basic needs met. Other, you know, other than feeding them, they didn't have anything else. And they died. Because we need physical touch. We need it. You say, well, I'm not getting a lot of that lately. Well, I'll be happy to shake your hand after the service, okay? We need to belong and to be held. We need deep conversations. Oh, I need so much of that. I love deep conversations. Don't come to me with shallow conversations, friends. No, I'm just kidding. We can have those too. But we need deep conversations and smiles from others when we walk in a room. We need that. You know, some of us, were of a mentality and we deny the social relational needs we have, but deep down inside, you know what? It does feel good to walk in a room and have people light up when we come in. And we may not identify that. We may say, oh, that's crazy talk. But we do need that. He goes on to say, just to be clear, we need God too, right? We need God more than we need anything else. But... 
We don't need only God. We need a whole lot of other things. Of course, it all comes from God. It all points to God, but it's not all God, and that's by design. Why in the world would God do this? I don't know, but I can definitely say this. You know that feeling you have when you find the thing your heart has been longing for? Cold water to slake your thirst on a hot day. The butterflies after falling in love with the woman of your dreams or the man of your dreams. How a great meal tastes after a hard day. A hug when you need it most. I think that feeling you get is gratitude. A deep bodily thank you. You're going to be looking for someone to thank. Maybe that's where God waits for you most. With a smile that says you're welcome. Now, Again, this is not a marriage sermon. It's not a wedding homily. And I want to just underscore the idea that some people actually, God is called never to get married. And that doesn't mean we're not still creatures that need relational connection. I have a friend that I've told you about before who has chosen at this stage in his life to live a life of celibacy. And he desperately longs for community. He desperately longs for connection. And oftentimes he goes to the church looking for it, and he's really mostly never found it. It's, it's lonely to be a single person in a church. Sometimes we just orient ourselves around families, right? Which is good, but... You know, everybody needs that connection. Everyone needs that community. And, um, you know, all of us need other people to be restored into God's image by his grace. What we're talking about here going forward for this series is recovery. We're talking about how do we grow emotionally by God's grace. And what I'm proposing to you is at the most fundamental level, we cannot do it by ourselves on our own. We, we just can't pray ourselves into emotional health. We can't read our Bible enough into emotional health. These things, don't get me wrong, they're good and they're important, but we need someone sitting at a chair, in a chair next to us, helping us walk through this path of recovery. You know, a few years ago, I would, um, maybe I've shared this story before, but a few years ago, I would talk, every once in a while, um, I would talk on the phone to a friend of mine who is um, a pastor, a leader in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and we would talk every once in a while, and he would pray with me, and he would pray for me. And, you know, it would be every month or so, and we'd talk for an hour on the phone. I hate talking on the phone, by the way. Uh, because I need the, you know, I need the in-fleshed experience. But um, so, so one day he just randomly said to me, he said, you know what, Sean, what you really need is a, a couple of other guys that you can kind of share life with. And up until that point, I thought all I needed was my wife and God. <laughs> I thought, you know, all I, I don't really need other people. Like, what's this talk about needing other guys? Like, I don't need that type of deep connection with them. Well, you know, that, that's, I got everything I need. And it just so happened around the same time that there was two guys that I had become acquainted with, 
And my friend, Bill, the one I would talk to, he said, why don't you reach out to them and just talk with them every once in a while on the phone? And I said, oh, okay, let me give it a shot. And so over the course of the next few months, I would, I would call and I would talk to friends, Jared and Jared, both named Jared. And one of them was two days older than me. The other one was six months younger than me. And so we would talk. And I suddenly realized that I'd been longing for something for so long that I never realized I needed. Now, again, this is not to downplay Camille whatsoever. We, we, we need... Valentine's Day was yesterday. Yes, Valentine's Day was yesterday. We need the companionship of our spouses, and we need all that. We need more and more connections, though. We need more and more connections. And I thought to myself, man, I never realized just how much I long for community. And then we started kind of the whole missional community thing. And I remember sitting in a living room one Friday, and I told this many times before, but sitting in a living room as we were all in a circle we were singing together, and we were sharing with one another. And I, was, and I thought to myself, wow, that was so powerful. And then I met Jim. I knew him before, but we ran across each other's path again. And then for a lot, it's almost been four years, maybe. Four years. He and I meet basically every week. And we have that connection where we're journeying together. And he's helped me in recovery and... I don't know if I've helped him with anything, but but all of a sudden, that's all I wanted to do was just have deep connections with other human beings in the flesh, the embodied people of God. And I realized that that's what, that's what the kingdom is all about, is those deep, deep connections. And we need those connections in order for us to recover what has been lost. That's a double-edged sword, of course, because it was the bad connections before that damaged us so much, and now the thing that damaged us is the thing we still need, and that's the challenge. But by God's grace, we need to find those people who have earned the right to hear our story so that we can grow into the image of God more deeply by his grace. So that's what we're going to talk about. It's about human connection. It's about recovery. It's about journeying together and helping one another grow into Christ-likeness. Okay?